The following sermon was preached at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in San Antonio, Texas. Well, about a, a year ago, and I, I'm going to tell you this, uh, about a year ago I, when I found out that I was coming to serve here at Christ Fellowship, um, my former church, when, when I was appointed here, my former church told my daughter that I had to, or told me that I had to promise them one thing, and that was that I would let my daughter Sarah go back when she got ready to graduate. Well, she graduates next week, so um, Sarah uh, and Cindy and Ethan are there um, because I held true to what I would allow them to do. They went back to, to that church, so that opens up the opportunity for me to talk about them this morning. Um, but uh, really, so, so, so they're all back there, and, and, and Sarah's getting ready, ready to graduate, but I'm not sure that I am ready for all this graduation stuff. Uh, but I guess I don't have much of a choice about it. Um, we've been blessed, actually, with a lot of uh, success. My, my children have, have been blessed with a lot of success uh, throughout uh, as they've navigated high school. Of course, Sarah's graduating. Ethan's a, a sophomore. And, and here lately, we've been talking a lot uh, to our kids about remaining humble. Uh, see, Ethan and Sarah both won state tennis championships this past week. Um, they, yeah, thank you. They, uh, Ethan won in uh, mixed, they didn't play together, we're not that crazy, uh, but the, Ethan won in mixed doubles uh, with his partner and Sarah won in girls doubles and uh, you know when, when that happened, this was over in College Station, all the state championships and they were interviewed by Fox Sports Southwest and they had you know kind of the red carpet treatment, had a whole um, area that was roped off for photographs and things like that. I mean, they were really uh, treated like celebrities for the most part. They were, you know, they kind of felt big time. Um, so we, we've had the talk with them about uh, uh, being humble and not starting to believe the hype. You know, you, you, you've got to be careful when those things come around. Um, you have to realize that sometimes, sometimes there are going to be setbacks they've been they've been successful and they've worked hard it's but but sometimes there are setbacks it's not always just glory all the time um, you've also got to realize that uh, uh, you never know who could be watching you never know who you may influence along the way in how you react to setbacks also how you react to success see sure it's it's fun to be at the top of the heap, but the top of the heap is also a great target for people. Um, many people certainly love the underdog, but also they love to see the mighty fall uh, just as well. And that's a little like what it was like for Paul in Athens in our reading from the book of Acts today. What, what I'm not going to do in the sermon is pick apart everything that Paul said in our reading, but I want to I set the tone and and, and take from, from this specific instance what we can learn from Paul and where he was preaching at this point. See, we find him in Athens today in this reading, in the midst of Paula Palooza. Um, it's, it's this tour that, that Paul is making. He, you know, Paul really was a lot like a rock star. He, he traveled all over the place, got thrown in jail occasionally, pretty much like a lot of the rock stars of today, 
But Paul here has been touring with Barnabas, and then he hooks up with Silas, and then he, uh, uh, Timothy even joins in and, uh, with them for a bit, and they get thrown in jail. Um, they get released from jail with an apology uh, once it became known that they were Roman citizens. So they pick up here on their traveling road show after uh, doing all of these successful tours, this evangelism tour that they're on. They go to Thessalonica, and they rock the house in Thessalonica uh, in spite of being run out by some uh, non-believing Jews. And then they go on to Berea, uh, and again, they rock the house there. Or in truth, when they got there, the house was already rocking because... Uh, in Berea, they were uh, very steeped in Scripture. But then he headlines in Athens. In Athens, it's very different. He headlines in Athens, and there's somewhat of a fail there, I think. Or so it seems. Uh, most evidence points to the fact that, that, that Paul probably only went to Athens, uh, made one trip to Athens. See, we don't have a, a Paul's letter to the Athenians anywhere in scripture or anywhere that, I, that I'm aware of. Uh, but listen to what Luke has to say about Paul's trip. He says, now when they, the Stoic philosophers, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we want to hear you again concerning this. Thus Paul went out from among them, but certain men joined with him and believed. See, where Paul spoke from was at the um, at the uh, Areopagus. Um, and this was a place for philosophers. This was a place where philosophers spoke, and the people of Athens loved to gather around and listen to uh, and gather and discuss philosophy. You know, therefore I am kind of, uh, what is it? Yeah, I think therefore I am kind of stuff. You know, talking uh, these lofty ideas. And this, this Areopagus is where uh, uh, big names like Plato and Socrates and Aristotle, uh, they all headlined. Uh, and according to one of the resources that I found when I was looking um, for information about the Areopagus, it's, uh, it's where many believe that the idea for a democratic republic came to be, where it was born. Um, so, so this is a place, this Areopagus is a, is a place where ideas are, are bantered about and they're, and they're discussed. And then Paul comes in and he starts telling them the truth of the gospel. He starts uh, bringing religion into and, and contrasting that with some of their golden idols and things like that. And uh, to be sure, Paul was dealing with somewhat of a hostile crowd here. But Paul did succeed in planting some seeds while he was there. Now maybe uh, he wasn't there to witness uh, the growth that occurred after, after he left, the, the blooming of the Christian faith in Athens, but eventually that growth came. That, that uh, uh, seed that he planted there at the Areopagus where, where he was not very... Uh, warmly welcomed, it, it, it grew. There's, a, there's actually a historical marker there at the Oropagus that reads, the Oropagus is also associated with the spread of Christianity in Greece. Sometime near the middle of the first century, the Apostle Paul is said to have converted a number of Athenians 
by teaching the tenets of the new religion from the summit of the hill. Among the converts was Dionysius the Areopagite, the patron saint of the city of Athens, who, according to tradition, was the city's first bishop. And, of course, Luke mentions him in scripture, Dionysius. So what can we surmise from Paul's time in Athens? Well, I think it says a couple of things to us. First, you never know who's listening here. Uh, Paul may have gone there uh, trying to convince the, the philosophical muckety-mucks, uh, the ones that had brought him out to speak, convince them of uh, Jesus Christ being the Messiah. But their ears, um, but, but there were, were, were ears that, that heard that weren't those mighty philosophers. There were, there were some on the, on the outside uh, that Paul must have had an impact on, particularly Dionysius and, and also a woman named uh, Damaris. So you never know who it is that's listening, even though Paul was there trying to convince the bigwigs, others heard and others uh, asked him outside of the Areopagus and, and Christianity bloomed. Uh, in seminary, just as a, as a, you never know who's watching, you never know what impact you might have on somebody that you may not be talking directly to or, or acting directly towards. In seminary, I had a professor um, that was asked to speak at this big three-day event, and while he was there, uh, he was warned as a, as a speaker. He was warned that there would probably be a woman uh, that came to these retreats but never, never really responded. And the retreat organizers often saw her as somebody that just showed up for free food um, and, uh, and fellowship because she probably didn't have any real friends. And my professor said that it, that, uh, uh, it was about the third morning of this event and uh, of the retreat, and he went out for his early morning walk. Uh, he said one of the reasons, it was a beautiful place, one of the reasons he even agreed to be a speaker was because he wanted to have some getaway time. So he's going on his morning walk, and as he did, he noticed a candy wrapper on the ground. He walked right past the candy wrapper, took about 10 steps, and said that that, that candy wrapper began to bug him. Uh, that he had walked past, uh, he, he, he said in his mind, he was thinking, I'm not the groundskeeper. Um, somebody else can do that. I'm here to be an important speaker at the retreat. So he, he carries on a couple more steps, and he turned around because it was gnawing at him again and went back and picked up the wrapper, carried it with him, and threw it away. And he didn't realize it at the time, but in the distance on a porch was the crazy woman who had been watching him all this time and she told him later that after seeing what he had done she saw at first that he walked past it but then went around went back and picked it up and she said what she what she discovered was that people do struggle sometimes with what's right but that he actually believed what it was he was preaching that weekend and within a week she had joined a church and has since become a member of this ecumenical retreat team that, that puts the event together each year. And, uh, I mean, you just never know the impact that some little insignificant thing you do or say may have on others. The other important thing, I think, to note here with Paul uh, is that he's certainly not in his comfort zone uh, in Athens. Uh, these people were uh, a little hostile toward him. 
Uh, often Paul would, you know, in, in his travels would go to the temple and preach the good news of Jesus Christ to the faithful, to the faithful Jews, people that were predisposed to believe in the Messiah, those that were steeped already in Scripture. And often he was, he was successful in his evangelism. Now in Athens, Paul hits the temple first, but after that, he took his message to the people. He went out to where the people were, and that's an important point. See, he went to where they were. He went outside of his comfort zone to the Oropagus. So how do we take Jesus' message out into the streets, out into the mission field? By our actions, by our words, by our deeds. And what if we fail? What if we fail at, at what we're doing to spread the good news of Jesus Christ? So what? So what if we fail? Often we think we fail but may not. I'm sure Paul, speaking here at, at, uh, at Athens, may have thought he failed. Maybe that's, maybe that's why there isn't Paul's letter to the Athenians. Maybe that's why we don't hear of Paul spending a lot of time there. Maybe Paul thought he failed, but, but didn't with those seeds that were planted. Often, school mentors think that they're not making an impact. I've been a school mentor for, for many years, and, and sometimes you just think, gosh, I'm, I'm not really getting through uh, to these kids, and then you you meet them later on and you find out what an impact maybe you did have on their lives. Um, I've got an uncle, cousin really, uh, who the, the young man that he mentored many years ago still calls him every week. He lives off in California, works, uh, uh, he's a military contractor and, and calls him every week still just to give him an update like any child would. I, I remember one, uh, several years ago I was doing a funeral uh, for a retired police officer uh, who uh, uh, his son was telling a story at the, the police officer's funeral about uh, this, uh, this young man that his dad had arrested shoplifting. His dad was working off duty at a, uh, a Woolworth, I think in Houston it was, and uh, a, a boy had gotten caught shoplifting and, uh, and this guy's dad, the retired police officer, um, detained the kid. And rather than, you know, calling it in and putting him through the system, told the kid that, that in, instead of, of pressing charges, if the boy would just come and have a soda with him once a week, um, you know, he'd, he'd kind of drop the whole thing. And so the kid did come. The kid came back once a week and had a, had a soda. Um, with the with the police officer uh, for a while, and then they lost touch, um, just lost touch for for quite a few years, and then uh, many many years later, it just so happened that the retired police officer's son was working in high school at the uh, at the same Woolworth, and uh, this man comes in and says uh, he's looking for this retired police officer, um, very well dressed. And, uh, and the, the son uh, calls his dad and turns out that the boy had become a very uh, high-powered attorney in New York uh, and had just come back to Houston to thank the police officer that set him uh, kind of on the right road that had taken an interest in him when he was a young boy. But the thing is, 
the police officer for 20 plus years had no idea whether that kid ended up back in the system, back in, you know, uh, uh, or what had happened to him. He didn't see the fruits of the deeds that he had done, um, but they were good nonetheless. So just as he stepped outside of his comfort zone, just as he didn't know what it was that would help uh, or how it would help, it didn't stop him from doing it in the first place. So we step outside of our comfort zone. And that's, um, you know, it's something that I think we have to continue to push ourselves to do. It's not always an easy thing to do to take the gospel message uh, and take that out to people that, that, that maybe were uncomfortable being around. Not maybe because it's the people, maybe it's just because of where uh, others are located or, or that we don't know them that, that well or maybe that we know them too well. But we have to take that gospel message out. Paul did it. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, did it. He didn't like it at first, but it grew on him. And speaking of stepping outside of our comfort zones, um, if you remember back to Good Friday, just before Easter, Good Friday, we held a Spanish language service here at Christ Fellowship. Now, I can get by in Spanish uh, as long as I can use my hands and point and grunt and shake my head and all that kind of stuff, but I'm far from being fluent uh, in Spanish. Yet, we held a Spanish language service, and there were several within this congregation that participated in the service that are also not fluent. But they were willing to read. They were willing to step out there outside of their comfort zone and uh, try to speak or read in Spanish. We've got to be willing to be uncomfortable when it comes to spreading the gospel. We've got to get out and meet people. We've got to take chances. We've got to uh, risk being laughed at. We've got to risk being mocked like Paul was in Athens. He may have been mocked by some, but Christianity eventually took hold. We have to be willing to engage in prayer and worship and holy communion and singing and fellowship and mission with people that we don't know yet and with people we do know, but we're a little too chicken to invite to be with us. Yes, we're building a, a new campus that will likely create more of an awareness of Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church, and, and we're likely to get some visitors because of the new building. We may even be likely to get some members because we've uh, got this new visibility. But, but building some classrooms and a sanctuary and adding some basketball goals is not evangelism. As long as we expect people to come to us, we'll always fall short of the kingdom of God. Only as we venture out and bridge the gap between us and them, whoever them may be, will we make new disciples and grow the kingdom in this time and in this place. God bless you. You're invited to worship with us at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in San Antonio, Texas at 9721 Braun Road. Services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can find us on Facebook or check us out on the World Wide Web at cfumcsa.org.